This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This show is brought to you by the Buddhist Youth Association every Sunday, bringing Buddhism to the community of the Waikato. We also give away a range of free English or Chinese Buddhism books, MP3 or tapes on Buddhism. If you'd like one, please send a letter with $3 worth of stamps in an envelope to P.O. Box 82146, Highland Park, Howick, Auckland. Or you can phone 092713377. Buddhist Youth Association, respectful, beneficial, empowering. Hello, welcome to the program, and I hope your week has been one of warm-heartedness and joy. Today we're going to continue discussing the method to develop bodhicitta called equalizing and exchanging self for others. We're on the final practice of exchanging self for others, that is tonglen, or in English, giving and taking. There's probably no need for me to say, let bodhicitta be your motivating force, as I've said it so many times before. However, it is the best motivation, so if you can, let that mind that wishes to attain enlightenment to best benefit all beings be your inspiration today, and let's take a moment to fix it in our minds. Thank you. Google the words Tonglen, and you'll find website after website describing and discussing it on the internet. The discussion by two teachers, Pema Chodron and Lama Purbutashi, of the Gampopa Center in Annapolis in Maryland in the United States, particularly impress me. We start off with Lama Purbutashi, who starts his teaching with a statement that bodhicitta is like a medicine that cures a hundred diseases. This one practice solves a great number of problems in our life if we do it the precise and proper way, he says, and then goes on, we all know most of our problems arise from our mental afflictions, and the absence of mental afflictions is happiness. Although it is difficult to not have mental afflictions, we don't have the remote controller to control them. But the mental afflictions have the remote controller to control us. Afflictions such as resentment, attachment, etc. No one wants to have resentments. Nobody makes a plan or schedules to create resentments. They come effortlessly. They're so powerful, they create our endless, dissatisfactory, unfulfilling conditions. There's one thing that possesses a power strong enough to control them, eliminate them and frighten them. It is Tonglen practice. We do the usual practice by visualization. We visualize that we're taking all the problems and sufferings others have, we bring them on us while we breathe in and feel happy that they are free of problems and suffering. Then we breathe out and visualize that we're sending out all the goodness and happiness we possess to others providing them happiness and peace. Sending cuts off dissatisfaction and attachment, he says. Taking cuts off resentment and fear. Sending trains your mind not to hold back, not to grasp on. Taking trains your mind to accept easily and fearlessly. We practice it with a breath while we're sitting on our meditation cushion. That is the training in med- on meditation level and very important. But even more important is carrying the Tonglen practice into our day-to-day life. We can call it post-meditation level. In post-meditation level, 
We don't practice with visualizing and the breath. We practice it with the actual experience. We send whatever we can provide for others' comfort and happiness. It doesn't mean you have to give everything away and remain poor. Of course, being wealthy is a very good thing. If you're wealthy, you can give more. But don't wait until you feel wealthy enough to give. If you wait for that, it probably will never happen. Sending is not only giving material comforts to others. You can give or share your wisdom to comfort others. You can give respect to comfort others. You can even help the old man cross the street to comfort him. There are countless opportunities to practice sending in post-meditation level. Taking is another way to provide comfort, help others, and eliminate the root of mental afflictions, which we call ego grasping. There are so many different ways to practice taking in post-meditation level. You can take on others' bad reputations, criticisms, blame, and causes of problems. You can even take the uncomfortable seat on the bus. He then continues, The main goal of Tonglen practice is to improve our awakened mind and decrease our ego grasping. Once our improvement of awakened mind is completed and we get free of ego grasping, then we will be in a state where everything is perfect. The nature of that state is unconditional happiness and peace, and that is what we call enlightenment. The awakened mind is the main path to get enlightenment, and Tonglen practice is one of the most profound dynamic techniques to improve our awakened mind. When our egotistic, ignorant mind transforms into love, compassion and wisdom, these three fine qualities are the awakened mind. Wanting others to be happy is love, and wanting others to be free of suffering is compassion. The mind which understands true nature is wisdom. Love, compassion and wisdom are not three separate entities. Together, they are our awakened mind, which is the union form of love, compassion and wisdom. This is what we mean by bodhicitta, or awakened mind, and it turns all our actions and experiences into virtues and the path to enlightenment. One of the most accomplished meditation masters, Boko Rinpoche, said, Without bodhicitta, that is without love and compassion, every other practice, no matter how deep it may appear, is not a path to awakening. Neither mental calming, nor meditation on deities, or exercise on subtle channels and energies. Westerners today have many techniques that allow them to do wonderful things. Humans can fly in space, move under the sea, reproduce and transmit pictures and words, go long distances in a short time and do more than one could imagine in the past. But no one could have invented and made use of these things if electricity had not been discovered and used. Without electricity, everything would stop. Machines would become, become immobile and useless objects. Bodhicitta is the electricity of spiritual practice. If it is cut, nothing works anymore. On the other hand, with bodhicitta, the phases of creation and completion of deities becomes a true path to awakening. Meditation on emptiness becomes a path to awakening, and concentration on the subtle winds and channels becomes a path to awakening. Animated with bodhicitta, all ordinary activity, all works in the world become a path to awakening. Someone who has all the intelligence and science of the world, but lacks love and compassion, can never truly accomplish anything beneficial for others. But one who has love and compassion deeply within himself will accomplish benefit for others in everything he does. 
Lama Pobutashi then goes on to explain how he first met Rinpoche in a small smelly hut while praying over the corpse of an old lady who had lived there. He was so impressed with Rinpoche's kindness and presence that he became his student. Now when we do the Tonglen practice on the breath, do the sufferings and negativities of others truly come onto us? Lama Purbutashi said one of his friends actually asked Rinpoche this. Rinpoche smiled, Lama Purbutashi said, and replied, If you could bring another's negativities onto you for real, that means you are highly accomplished. You will get enlightenment in this lifetime. But unfortunately, we beginners don't have to worry about that. So highly advanced practitioners can take another's pain and suffering sometimes, but beginners like us can't and we need not worry about it. Lama Purbutashi says, Technically, according to the law of karma, the person from whom we take negativities may or not, may not be free of those negativities even after our Tonglen practice. A person has to experience his own individual karma. On the other hand, we may have a special karmic connection to make it happen, or the power of strong altruistic intention may allow it to happen. But for the person who is practicing Tonglen, taking the negativities certainly gets them. In other words, yes, they really do come upon us. The amazing thing is, the negativities we take from others are not negativities when they reach us. By the power of loving compassion, these negativities spontaneously transform into positive beneficial things. For example, when we take others' negative emotions, it lessens our own. We take others' bad karma, it purifies our bad karma. When we take another's disease, it weakens or eliminates our own disease. The more we take others' bad karma, disease and negative emotions, the more we gain good karma, good health and constructive emotions. This is how it works, not how we meditate. We don't meditate visualizing that the bad things don't really come or that somehow they transform into goodness. We simply meditate with a focus on compassion and the focus on to take others' suffering fearlessly without any hesitation. If we do feel like it comes through us, be happy. What a great accomplishment. It's the same with sending. We may think if we send all our goodness to others, then we will be poor and weak. But actually, we gain riches and strength. The more we send our goodness to others, the more goodness we gain. This is how it works, not how we meditate. We don't meditate visualizing sending our goodness to others to gain more goodness for ourselves. That's a trading business rather than Tonglen practice. We simply meditate with a focus on compassion and send our goodness to others to help them. If we feel they really get our help, we feel happy about that and determined to send even more. This is the answer to the mystery in Tonglen practice when we question, do the negativities really come to us? Lama Purbatashi did a three-year retreat on Tonglen and other deity practices with Boko Rinpoche. At the end, Rinpoche interviewed all the students who had done the retreat, and when it came to Lama's turn, Rinpoche asked him which of the Dharma practices covered in the retreat was his favorite. Says Lama Purbutashi, Suddenly I saw I had two answers. One came from my brain and the other from my heart. My brain said, Of course, one of the top advanced Dharma practices should be my favorite. My heart told me the only practice to strongly affect me was Tonglen practice. Tonglen practice impartially affected my intention, 
behaviors, habitual tendencies, emotional reactions, and powerful ego grasping. I especially liked it when it scared the ego. Ego, the troublemaker, doesn't like Tonglen practice. I answered, the Tonglen practice is an immediately effective and profound practice to me, and I do the practice more in post-meditation level than the meditation level. This practice also tremendously helps me deal with difficult conditions. It makes everything much easier living in a modern society. Now, Pema Chodron, who you may remember we quoted extensively from in the programs on the Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, describes a couple of ways we can do the Tonglen practice. One is very nice and simple, and the other more like the methods we talked about last week. She says, The very simplest style, which I think would be helpful for every single one of us, and something well worth cultivating in one's life, is taking a Tonglen attitude towards pleasure and pain, whenever it arises in your life. I've gotten into the habit of doing this meditation, although I don't always remember to do it. But more and more, it's becoming spontaneous and natural. When things are painful, when things are difficult, usually that in and of itself will remind me to do Tonglen meditation. The quality of difficulty, struggle, pain, dissatisfaction or unpleasantness will remind me to have the simple thought, other people feel this. Now that might sound simplistic, Maybe not at all that important, but believe me, it makes a big difference because the isolation, personal burden, loneliness and desperation of pain gets very strong and you think you're the only one. I've had people actually say to me, I think no one else in the world feels this kind of pain and then I can say to them with tremendous confidence, you're wrong. But what is not wrong is that we do have that feeling often that I'm the only one that has this particular pain. So maybe it will be a challenge for you to say, other people feel this. It might not feel genuine. But even the effort to say it begins to shake up your complacency about pain being just your burden. It shakes it up to contemplate the fact that other people feel this pain too. So this is a basic Tonglen logic. When you feel the discomfort, have the thought, other people feel this. And then if you want to take it a rather dramatic step further, you can say, may we all be free of this. But it's enough just to acknowledge that other people feel the pain. And the most dramatic and probably most difficult step is to say, since I'm feeling this anyway, may I be feeling it so all others could be free of it. So Tonglen meditation has three levels of courage. The first is to say, other people feel this. And that is enough. But if in that particular moment of time it feels genuine to say, may this become a path for awakening the hearts of all of us, then do so. And the one that takes you to the deepest level of courage is, since I'm feeling this anyway, may I feel it so that others could be free of it. And this is the Tonglen attitude towards pain. It doesn't involve focusing on breathing in and breathing out. It's the spirit of Tonglen. She goes further in another discussion on this practice, starting off with what she calls our soft spot. She says, each of us has a soft spot, the place in our experience where we feel vulnerable and tender. This soft spot is inherent in appreciation and love, and it is equally inherent in pain. Often, when we feel that soft spot, it's quickly followed by a feeling of fear and an involuntary habitual tendency to close down. 
This is the tendency of all living beings, to avoid pain and cling to pleasure. In practice, however, covering up the soft spot means shutting down against our life experience. Then we tend to narrow down into a solid feeling of self against other. One very powerful and effective way to work with a tendency to push away pain and hold on to pleasure is the practice of Tonglen. In Tonglen practice, when we see or feel suffering, we breathe in with a notion of completely feeling it, accepting it and owning it. Then we breathe out, radiating compassion, loving-kindness, freshness, anything that encourages relaxation and openness. In this practice, it's not uncommon to find yourself blocked because you come face to face with your own fear, resistance or whatever your personal stuckness happens to be at that moment. At that point, you can change the focus and do Tonglen for yourself and for millions of others just like you at that very moment who are feeling exactly the same misery. I particularly like to encourage Tonglen on the spot. For example, you're walking down the street and you see the pain of another human being. On the spot Tonglen means that you don't just rush by. You actually breathe in with a wish that this person be free of suffering and send them out some kind of good heart or well-being. If seeing that other person's pain brings up fear or anger or confusion, which often happens, just start doing Tonglen for yourself and all the other people who are stuck in this very same way. When you do Tonglen on the spot, you simply breathe in and breathe out, taking in pain and sending out spaciousness and relief. When you do Tonglen as a formal practice, it has four stages. First, rest your mind briefly in a state of openness or stillness. Second, work with texture. Breathe in a feeling of hot, dark and heavy and breathe out a feeling of cool, bright and light. Breathe in and radiate completely through all the pores of your body until it feels synchronized with your in and out breaths. Third, Work with any painful personal situation that is real to you. Traditionally, you begin by doing Tonglen for someone you care about. However, if you're stuck, do the practice for your pain and simultaneously for all those just like you who feel that kind of suffering. Finally, make the taking in and the sending out larger. Whether you're doing Tonglen for someone you love or for someone you see on television, do it for all the others in the same boat. You could even do Tonglen for people you consider your enemies, those who have hurt you or others. Do Tonglen for them, thinking of them as having the same confusion and stuckness as you find in yourself. This is to say that Tonglen can extend indefinitely. As you do the practice, gradually over time, your compassion naturally expands, and so does your realization that things are not as solid as you thought. As you do this practice at your own pace, you'll be surprised to find yourself more and more able to be there for others, even in what seemed like impossible situations. On the Shambhala Sun website, you can find a conversation on Tonglen between Pema Chodron and Alice Walker, the Pulitzer Prize and National Book Award winning author of The Color Purple. It's quite a fascinating discussion that took place at San Francisco's Palace of Fine Arts Theatre. Here's an extract starting with Alice Walker first talking about how a tape on Tonglen by Pema Children helped her through a very difficult time. I'd lost someone I loved deeply, she says, and nothing seemed to help. Then a friend sent me a tape 
set by Pema children called Awakening Compassion. I stayed in the country and I listened to you, Pema, every night for the next year. I studied Lojong mind training and practiced Tonglen. It was Tonglen, the practice of taking in people's pain and sending out whatever you have that is positive that helped me through this difficult passage. I want to thank you so much and ask you a question. In my experience, suffering is perennial. There's always suffering. But does suffering really have a use? I used to think there was no use to it, but now I think that, that there is. Pema Chodron replies, Is there any use in suffering? I think the reason I'm so taken by these teachings is that they're based on using suffering as good medicine, like the Buddhist metaphor of using poison as a medicine. It's as if there's a moment of suffering that occurs over and over and over again in every human life. What usually happens in that moment is that it hardens us. It hardens the heart because we don't want any more pain. But the Lojong teachings say we can take that very moment and flip it. The very thing that causes us to harden and our suffering to intensify can soften us and make us more decent and kinder people. That takes a lot of courage. This is a teaching for people who are willing to cultivate their courage. What's wonderful about it is that you have plenty of material to work with. If you're waiting for only the high points to work with, you might give up. But there's an endless succession of suffering. Pema Chodron says that dukkha, in English suffering or more accurately dissatisfaction, is inherent in being human. It's not some mistake we've made. If we can learn to catch it and relax with it, Instead of hardening, it doesn't need to escalate, but it will become a seed of compassion and loving-kindness. Alice Walker was her astonished by her reaction to Tonglin. She says, I was surprised how the heart literally responds to this practice. You can feel it responding physically. As you breathe in, what is difficult to bear, there is initial resistance, which is the fear, the constriction. That's the time when you really have to be brave. But if you keep going and doing the practice, the heart actually relaxes. That is quite amazing to feel. Pema Chodron, in turn, points out that with Tonglen practice, you take yourself exactly as you are, not as some spiritual ideal says you should be. Then, ironically, taking in pain, breathing it in for yourself and all others in the same boat as you are, heightens your awareness of exactly where you're stuck, she says. Instead of feeling you need some magic makeover so you can suddenly become some great person, there's much more emotional honesty about where you're stuck. There's a kind of unstuckness that starts to happen. You develop loving kindness and compassion for the self that is stuck, which is called Maitri. And since you have a sense of all the other sentient beings stuck just like you, it also awakens compassion. Then Alice Walker says, I remember the day I really got it that we're not connected as human beings because of our perfection, but because of our flaws. That was such a relief. Pema Chodron agrees and mentions Rumi's poem about night travellers. It's about how all the darkness of human beings is a shared thing from the beginning of time and how understanding that opens up your heart and opens up your world. You begin to think bigger. Rather than depressing you, it makes you feel part of the whole, she says. Now, incidentally, Rumi's poem is called Search the Darkness, and it goes like this. Sit with your friends. Don't go back to sleep. Don't sink like a fish to the bottom of the sea. 
Surge like an ocean. Don't scatter yourself like a storm. Life's waters flow from darkness. Search the darkness. Don't run from it. Night travelers are full of light, and you are too. Don't leave this companionship. Be a wakeful candle in a golden dish. Don't slip into the dirt like quicksilver. The moon appears for night travelers. Be watchful when the moon is full. I like what you say about understanding that the darkness represents our wealth, because that's true, says Alice Walker. There's so much fixation on the light, as if the darkness can be dispensed with. But of course it cannot. After all, there is night, there is earth. So this is a wonderful acknowledgement of richness. I think the Jamaicans are right when they call each other fellow sufferer, because that's how it feels. We aren't angels, we aren't saints. We're all down here doing the best we can. We're trying to be good people, but we do get really mad. That leads to talk about Pema Children's marriage breakup and how she felt great anger, a great groundlessness and fear when she found she couldn't entertain or distract herself out of her pain. But she says her teacher, Trungpa Rinpoche, taught her that there is nothing wrong with negativity per se. We can learn a lot from it, as it has a really strong creative energy. The problem with negativity, Pema Children points out, is that we just don't stay with it. We spin off into all the endless cycle of things we can say to ourselves about it. She says, Anger, lust, envy, jealousy, these powerful energies are all actually wisdoms in disguise. But to experience that, you have to not spin off. You have to be able to relax with the energy. So Tonglen was my entry into being able to sit with that kind of energy. And it gave me a way to include all the other people, to recognize that so many people were in the same boat as I was. She then asks Alice Walker whether she found any joy in practicing Tonglen. Oh, yes, replies the novelist, even just not being so miserable. Part of the joyousness was knowing we have help. It was great to know that this wisdom is so old. That means people have had this pain for a long time. They've been dealing with it and they've had the foresight to leave these practices for us to use. I'm always supported by spirits and ancestors and people in my tribe, whoever they've been and however long ago they lived. So it is like having another tribe of people, of ancestors, come to the rescue with this wisdom that came through you and your way of teaching. I think the times are ripe for this kind of teaching, says Prima Children. And Alice Walker replies, Oh, I think it's just the right medicine for today. You know, the other really joyous thing is that I feel more open. I feel more openness towards people in my world. It's what you have said about feeling more at home in your world. I think this is the result of going the distance in your own heart, really being disciplined about opening your heart as much as you can. And now we've come to the end of the program. But just before we go, I'd like to read Rumi's poem again. It's called Search the Darkness, and it goes... Sit with your friends, don't go back to sleep. Don't sink like a fish to the bottom of the sea. Surge like an ocean, don't scatter yourself like a storm. Life's waters flow from darkness, search the darkness, don't run from it. Night travelers are full of light, and you are too. Don't leave this companionship. Be a wakeful candle in a golden dish, don't slip into the dirt like quicksilver. The moon appears for night travelers, be watchful when the moon is full.
And with that, and with open hearts, we must now part, for our time together is up. Thank you for being with the program, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Please dedicate all the positive potential from the program to the enlightenment of all beings. Thanks again, and goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.